Hello, and welcome to Industry Elites. On this podcast, Industry Elite's very own Natalie and Vicky are going to be interviewing business owners and individuals who have made their mark in their respective industries. Tara, her dad, is the CEO of Modern Meat. She started Modern Meat and has been building the company from the ground up. Modern Meat focuses on creating plant-based meat alternatives that are non-GMO, soy-free, gluten-free, and preservative-free. Tara had an entrepreneurial spirit from a young age and began a tutoring learning center business that she managed even during her college years. She continues to be involved in that field as the director at Aspire Math Academy, which is a certified Singapore math learning center. While in college, she studied biology with a plan to attend medical school, but when she did some volunteer work at a hospital, she decided it was not the path for her. She continued to manage her learning center, while she studied accounting and became a CPA. She worked at Ernst & Young doing tax work and risk management work. When she became a mom and needed more flexibility, her entrepreneurial skills kept her busy and focused more on consulting in areas of accounting and financial analysis. All of these things prepared her for her leadership role at Modern Meat. On this week's episode of Industry Elites, we welcome CEO of Modern Meat, Tara Haddad. Thanks for coming on today, Tara. We're really excited to have you. Thank you for having me on today. I'm really excited. So, Tara, one of the first things we just want to talk about with everybody when we're wanting to touch base, and really, I guess, as our icebreaker conversation, it always seems to lead us back to COVID. So, uh, and you're in Vancouver currently right now. So, how are things looking for you guys there? How are you guys adjusting to, I guess, our new norm of COVID? Well, COVID was, um, are you talking about business or personal or? It could be both. Whatever you feel like is like the most affecting, just how maybe you and your family are adjusting. And then we can get into maybe more of the business stuff. Well, our family and I, were adjusting quite well. I mean, we don't feel that they're, um, we live, I feel like in a little bit of a bubble because we don't, I haven't expanded my network very much and just, um, you know, I'll go into the office a couple of days a week, but I work from home and just, you know, the kids have their school and, um, so it hasn't really been too disruptive in that sense. Um, I think for business-wise, it's a lot. Um, there are a lot more changes, and there are a lot more pivots that companies need to actually um, embrace because of COVID. So, for example, with us, we started in retail space of distribution in May only of 2020. Mm-hmm. But um, the reason why we had to pivot quickly was because originally we were wanting to go into food service, which we had a lot of. Kind of pending contracts to get into food service, but because of COVID, we had to switch. And then you go into retail, meeting many retailers, and realizing that some of them now are not taking new SKUs because of COVID. Oh, and gotcha. So it's just it's been um, like a humbling experience, but we also get really amazing feedback um, with our items. So I think it's you know we're we're growing, but it wasn't as quick as we thought we would originally. You mentioned that you're only going into the office a couple days a week, kind of with COVID now. Do you find that you're having either a better time or kind of a worse time with developing that work-life balance? I actually think it's a bit better um, currently because you also have so many different options for working. Um, You know, we have our computers that are available to us and kind of just being online with your phone. Like, I feel like I'm constantly responding to emails um, everywhere I'm going to. So I think that for us, for work-life balance, I think it's actually a little bit better because even if I'm 
leaving the office at four and I take my kids to activities, I can sit there, you know, work for another hour and a bit and then, you know, come home, do dinner and all that stuff. So I feel like um, just having the flexibility gives you the understanding that working anywhere actually works too. Yeah, I think it, it's good that we're able to, I guess, have technology as a, a helper in all of this. And I think we'd all be in a lot worse of a spot if we didn't have technology as such a powerful tool, especially today, just in society in general for work life and like social life as well. I think the one thing that we were all laughing about is the fact that you don't have traffic in the morning, which laughing in a good way, no traffic in the morning. We could technically be staying in our pajamas if we wanted to. So I think it's it's hard because there's the positives that you take from it because it's flexibility as well. And then it's also some people were saying like, you just want to ensure that you're still somewhat separating things at the same point. So it's interesting just to hear everybody's feedback on how well they're adjusting. But I think that's great that it, it's fitting so well into what you currently have going on. So as you mentioned, Modern Me is a fairly new public company. So maybe you could tell us a bit about what's been going on and really maybe the background on what inspired you to start your own business. Well, I've always worked for myself, um, you know, prior to right after high school until I um, did my CPA designation at Ernst & Young. I've always had my own business. And, you know, with my kids getting a little bit older and now I love cooking so much and I love food. So I was just, you know, making food at home every day and thinking, you know, there are so many different options you can have for plant-based um, alternatives now. You look on the market and you want kind of the high protein plant-based meat um, products, but then looking at the actual ingredients, um, I thought, you know, they're not as healthy as they claim to be. And I don't know if I trust all those ingredient profiles because they're, sure. you know, riddled with either high sodium, some have additives, some have preservatives, some have gluten in it. And I prefer, I'm not celiac, but I prefer to eat lower amounts of gluten. So some of them would be pure burger made out of 100% almost gluten, the vital wheat gluten, and then you're having a bun. So you're like eating a lot there. And sure. plant-based meat products, free of soy, free of gluten, free of nuts, GMO-free. Um, I thought there's a huge gap in the market for these healthy, nutritious, and flavorful plant-based products. So, you know, why not try to do something like that? Because I'm interested in the health, the well-being and sustainability. So I think um, that's kind of where it all came. So we kind of had as a little bit of a hobby project in the beginning, uh, working on it for um, many months, you know, talking to different chefs, trying to see what, what, what they think and what we could make that was delicious, but also not so produced in a science lab. So I was going to say that based on what you're saying, you kind of noticed that gap in the market and how essentially you just wanted to help and create something that's a little bit more transparent and really something that's not promoting one thing, but realistically when you're reading the fine lines is getting into a little, a little something different than what they're, what they're saying they're doing. So would you say that was kind of your main goal and that you took it from there and that you're really trying to instill in every piece that you guys are doing? Exactly. So in every piece that we're doing, it is not only about making every product to be gluten-free or soy-free or nut-free. For our mandate, definitely, we want that for our modern meat core products. And we're not saying you have to be vegan. You have to yeah. be plant -based. Like there's, just for us, it's like, why not start with a base that is a really clean ingredient nutritional profile? So then, you know, when you add other things to it, you might want to add additional salt to it. You might want to add 
um, you know, different things, but, but we really believe in these whole foods. So for instance, if you get some other plant-based burger, most of the time they don't have all the different vegetables that we have, but it's not just about the vegetables because you could buy a veggie burger that might have oats and grains and stuff like that. Ours is very artisanal right now. We're looking at scale up as well. So it's, it's more difficult than other companies with scale up just because we want to make sure that we are as clean as possible. And some of the products out there we feel that are not, um, you know, in that same mandate that we have. Yeah, I was kind of looking through the website here earlier and I was looking, I went, I'm not gonna lie, I went straight to the ingredients. Um, And (laughs) one thing I really kind of truly respect about your product is that, like you said, like it's not full of these chemicals because a lot of the times you see kind of an alternative vegan product and it's all full of oils. Like it's just not, a good product to consume regardless but honestly yours looks really really good and I definitely am interested in trying it um especially kind of these burger sauces you have going here these look really really good um with the burger um so just kind of putting them it tastes like a really great Big Mac almost so that's one uh, that was the one I was eyeballing to be honest the Mac (laughs) sauce (laughs) that one looks really good yeah um so for kind of people that as a plant-based diet has kind of become a newer thing, I guess you could say. Um, it's kind of more out in, not a trend in a negative sense, but it's definitely becoming more popular. In your eyes, what would you consider to be a plant-based diet? That, I mean, a plant-based diet, if you are on that spectrum solely and, you know, you've embraced that type of lifestyle, then definitely you would be having, you know, as much vegetables and grains as possible that you would be able to incorporate into your own meals but one of the you know some of the challenges of plant-based diet is you might not um, get as much protein as you want so that's one thing where we're trying to incorporate the gap of you can add the protein into your diet and I mean we do over protein anyway so it's not that we want high protein we just want to have incorporation of it and then also being able to utilize the foods that we do create to make a lot of mainstream meals. So if you purchase meatballs, you can make spaghetti meatballs or bolognese sauce with our crumble, um, tacos with our crumble. And that is actually very, very similar to the real thing. And one of the, we have had comments where, oh, your burger, it kind of doesn't hold up as well as maybe another burger. But then the reason why is because we don't use a lot of the chemicals to do the binding. So if you want to eat something that has all those types of things in it, then you would want to purchase something else. But if you are really focused on eating clean, then you would purchase this and you would know that what you exactly that you are actually putting into your body and that you're doing it for a greater good. So for us, if you were to have a plant-based diet, we feel that by utilizing some of the modern meat items, you would be able to sustain a pretty mainstream kind of diet. Like, anybody else but you would just kind of substitute some of the items for it so I make chili for my kids especially just starting with the fall and I use the crumble with it and it's absolutely amazing because they can't taste the difference at all but they're still getting a really clean amount of uh, protein in there with the beans which also has proteins and a lot of vegetables so it's kind of like a whole um, meal that covers all of your nutrition so for us I think that's really important Firstly, I have to say all this discussion of all these great meals is making me extremely hungry, (laughs) but all of it sounds absolutely delicious. And I think one of the takeaways that I'm hearing is that 
through the plant-based uh, and through the alternative uh, meat diet, you're looking at clean eating. So is that what you would say would be the recommendation you're giving to people in terms of kind of, I would say maybe even enticing them to get onto a more plant-based diet? Is it that clean eating portion or what else would there be? Yeah, I think for me and our company, I'm very focused on health. So if I were to want modern meat to be synonymous with the term, I would want it to be health. Um, we also think that consuming um, plants is better for consumers. Um, it's better for you in the health aspect, but also to be more sustainable, it's healthier for animals as well because you're not you know, utilizing the animal protein. So then a lot of people also have animal health uh, welfare issues. In general, just having this more plant-based diet is really, really exciting. So there's a lot of variety kind of coming out now with meat alternatives. Um, like you said, you kind of have the crumble, you have meatballs. I feel like when it just kind of started in the alternative meat world, it was just kind of burgers flat. Do you think, like, what is the future, sorry, what does the future for alternative meats look like to you? Do you think that we're going to kind of bridge out and get into more like, I don't know, shrimp products kind of, for example, because I noticed the crab cakes and I don't think I've ever seen kind of an alternative seafood. I thought that was really interesting. So where do you think the future of this kind of goes? Do you think we're going to try to roll out kind of all meat alternatives? I do think that there will be meat alternatives in different, many different areas, including seafood as well. We have done a, quite a bit of R&D on different seafood products. Um, the crab cake was just something that stood out to be like a crowd favorite. So it ended up um, getting to the market quicker than some of the other products. But the plant-based market is growing very quickly, like estimated, I think it was around $12 billion um, USD in 2019. And they say by 2025, it's going to be almost at 30 billion. So that's like a double or even more in a small amount of time. So I think that um, different companies are trying to catch up to the market by, you know, bringing out lots of different items. Um, one of the things I, I always caution people is that when you have so many different items on the market, it's like you really need to start reading the ingredients because you can push out a lot of great chicken products, for example, made with soy, because the soy actually does resemble it quite well. It's a light color and it's easy to um, emulate. But I think that um, as the market's going faster, it's like, you know, just read your labels and see what you what you are eating is healthy. For sure. And I think that's something a lot of people just need to take into consideration now more than ever, just because it could be, let's say, less calories in a sense, but doesn't mean that you're not putting something else into your body, which essentially isn't maybe really helping too much either. So I think from what you said and from what we discussed, obviously clean eating and and healthy choices and really reading the back of the labels are things that people should all be considering regardless even of um, falling under a plant-based alternative meat diet or not. But the one thing I kind of want to touch on in here a bit from you is you're saying that you're really focused on health even prior to getting into this industry as well. So during COVID, what are you doing maybe to keep yourself healthy? Because obviously it's not just clean eating, it's also incorporation of exercise and things you're doing just to stay active and fit. So how is that working for you? Obviously now I'm sure things are kind of switched up the game with COVID. We love as a family to be outside. Like I try to incorporate as many outdoor activities regardless, COVID or no COVID. So Mm -hmm. I feel that, you know, one of the things the kids didn't get to do is their indoor activities, but going out, hiking, bike riding were predominantly the main things that 
we were able to all do as a family. And we, you know, every day it'd be like after their school, if it's like five o'clock before dinner, we would go out and kind of get some exercise and do that as a family, go out for night walks with the dog. So we really just felt that it was actually very enjoyable to be able to spend that much time together and be healthy, like in your mind, as well as in your physical being. So that's one thing I really do recommend is just kind of getting outside. And I think it's worked for us. And I don't have a strict um, workout regime where I actually have to go into the gym or anything. I've never been someone who's been strict about that. But I do like getting outside. And I think that really gives me, um, for my personal um, growth, a very healthy lifestyle. So yeah, everybody has their own different regimes. And I think it's always good to find what works for you because what works for one person isn't always going to work for everyone. But being outside is just a refreshing sense. And then if we're working from home, we're always connected to technology as well. So even getting that little bit of a break and having that time even through COVID to take a step back and to slow down, I think has been beneficial hopefully for everybody's uh, mental health as well. So it's kind of funny you mentioned the gym because I, I know it varies province to province, but I know um, uh, at least in Ontario, that you have to wear a mask while you're at the gym so yeah like my cardio is not very strong to begin with um so I actually like (laughs) quit the gym because there's no way I can wear a mask and kind of continue with that so definitely yeah it's true like it's it's not gonna happen I will pass out in the gym but um it's just kind of nice that you can kind of I guess you could say adapt to have these kind of go out, enjoy the weather, especially now fall, the colors or the leaves are changing, kind of get it excited. And I am very jealous of your Vancouver weather because it is going to snow very soon. (laughs) I mean, we go to the mountains and we actually are in the snow very often. And I feel that, you know, if you have your full gear on and you're outside, it's just like, it's just like great weather. Yeah, that's fair. I don't mind it so much if I'm prepared prepared is the main thing when you just wake up one morning and then you're like oh okay yeah it's snowing there's like 10 centimeters that's great let me just clean up my car when I was already running late this is working so well for me (laughs) I mean now it's less of a commute so I mean like maybe we'll all enjoy the snow a bit more a bit more than no I definitely will Um, yeah right when you're looking from outside you're like or from inside you're like yeah it's so beautiful and you know you don't have to go through it it's gonna make me so happy (laughs) exactly um so one of the things that we really want to discuss and a lot of the points we really want to get the expertise from entrepreneurs on is maybe some of the struggles that you've had to overcome thus far throughout starting your own business well in your current field and how you've worked to work through those challenges with yourself and your team maybe I would say there are many challenges. Every day there's a challenge. Um, I think some of the challenges we had, uh, the main challenge I would say even right now um, would be ensuring we have enough production to reach our distribution and to support our sales network. So that's one area right now that we are working through. And as a team, we are um, trying our very best because, you know, we moved to a new facility, but as soon as you move to a new facility, you're already outgrowing it. So it's very difficult to, to be able to look into the future for everything that you need to have. So just having like your long-term goals and understanding where they are and where your business and how fast it's growing. So generally I would say the trajectory for looking into a long-term growth strategy for, for me would have been fine, except that, 
and we wouldn't have struggled as much except that now because the market is growing so fast we are trying to capture the market at the same time that we are growing our company so with those i find that's probably the biggest challenge that we've had and just every industry is obviously different but it just happens that we're in a very fast growing industry yeah Mandy, you touched on so many things that i'm sure many business individuals are going through currently like training like even the fact that you're you're saying it's like such an influx that you're trying to now meet those demands but then if you're training, is it all virtual? How do you go about hiring new people? You're not in the office like you were before. So your situation and your circumstances are also different on that front. But as you said, the growth that you've had in that short period of time of going public, you've had to work out a lot of situations as they went on. But did you feel that when you initially had your plan before you took your company public that you had your plan all figured out or did it come to a point where like, we just got to do it. We just got to get out there. And when we come across situations, that's when we're going to overcome them. Or were you kind of making sure that every detail, every I was dotted, every T was crossed? Well, with going public and all the regulations, we did that obviously as Mm -hmm as perfect as we could. Um, but just in terms of like things that happen every day, I mean, there's lots of band-aids that we try to, you know, put on to see what's the next thing we can do. We need this equipment. How can we now buy something because that's not available right now, or the shipping's taking three months. What's a band-aid solution? So there's a lot of that that happens at this point until we actually create our manufacturing facility, which will allow for, um, like unlimited scale up pretty much right now. We're just in that, um, in that phase where we can do a substantial amount of production, but not as significant as we actually should be able to do. So that was one of the main reasons for going public because we wanted to be able to obtain the financing to grow in the same manner that um, the market's growing because otherwise it's not feasible. So you definitely really sound passionate about your business. How long do you think it took to bring your vision to life? Yeah, I I say it took about a year to actually get it to life. Um, There was a lot of trial and error in the beginning, working with different chefs, not having, you know, the best experience with some of them because your vision and theirs might be different. So then you have to move on to the next one. And that's generally not my personality to, you know, want to kind of move through so many different um, R&D chefs but then it ended up working out that way because we wanted to achieve a certain product and sometimes you have a vision they have a vision but it doesn't always like align in the same way so I was very focused on having no gluten no soy in our products like that was just a no brainer for me and that was very difficult for some of the chefs to wrap their head around so I think that was probably the biggest area that we had to overcome and now we're all on the same page we're like you know what that was actually a great vision because a lot of the plant-based alternatives they don't have both of those or actually all four soy gluten nut and gmo free in the products so that's actually been great and it's almost like an anomaly so you know it's more difficult looking for facilities and things because we have many different allergens that we don't want in our products yeah for sure i definitely think your ingredients list is what from what I've seen kind of separates you from the rest of the industry. Um, Myself, I'm pretty severely lactose intolerant. So I've always kind of tried to look for the alternatives to that. Not so much with milk alternatives. That's pretty good now, but kind of vegan cheese has not been figured out yet. (laughs) That is definitely one thing (laughs) that 
it's just not this like I realize but it's just not the same and especially too when we go back to products if you look at the ingredients list for most of them they're absolutely horrible for you like they're almost kind of to the point where you might as well have one of those plastic craft slices like they're just as bad as ingredients I did um actually try some vegan cheeses yesterday from a company um from Edmonton and they were actually pretty good I would say out of the 10 products, there were three that I would definitely purchase. And they were they were great alternatives. A couple you would put on a nice charcuterie platter. It'd be a good substitute for for a regular cheese. You know, the nice spreadable cheeses they usually have on those yeah. platters. Yeah, so it was actually good. They both had nuts in them, which uh, isn't always the best because a lot of people do have the nut allergy. But I think if you didn't, it would be a good alternative. I was actually, when you guys were talking and Vicky was talking about how uh, she, the certain alternatives that she's had to look for. So I was thinking about, so I have a nut allergy as well. So thinking about possibly where we, going back maybe like 20 years, I'd want to say, and how unknown that was, like how there was very few people who started to have allergies, but everything had nuts. Like now you see it, let's say 20 years later, or maybe 15 years later, let's say if it wasn't 20, but the amount of items that companies are creating that are focused around nut-free. So I can foresee, obviously, this being a similar attitude with how the nut kind of transition works. So it's just interesting to see those different things transpire. Yeah, and I love nuts. Like, I I don't have any allergies. My family doesn't either. But I do have a lot of friends uh, and people that I do know in the, you know, food kind of industry that do have nut allergies so I think it's nice to have that option to be nut free but if I were a vegan cheese company I would have a couple different options maybe a nut one and that one but I think it's just it's hard sometimes for sure so one of the other other items we kind of want to touch on is what we hear from a lot of entrepreneurs is the importance of constantly learning so each person we find has their own perspective on this but maybe you could talk to us about where you found that to be the most beneficial and maybe what you're constantly, you're doing yourself to maybe constantly keep learning? Yes, I would definitely agree that constantly learning is extremely important Um, for me. I mean, I loved school. So for me, that's not, um, not a big far reach at all because I love, (laughs) you know, even when I look through all the old catalogs for universities, and it sounds a bit ridiculous, but I love looking at them all the different courses and thinking one day I'll take, you know, different interests and stuff I may have. Definitely. I know I get really excited about that, but um, I do think that it's really important to learn about your industry. So, for example, the BC food processors um, manual. Like I read that you know huge document right when I first started because I was like, if I'm going to make this, I need to know all these different things. So I think mm-hmm. going into your industry and now looking at different plant-based. Uh, resources for how to process foods and how to sell the food and just working through that has been the biggest um, growth area for me because I didn't know the sales strategy, distribution, logistics, your cold storage, how it gets from one place to another. So those parts of the business is something I really had to learn. Um, You know, from a production standpoint, there was having it created in a commissary kitchen originally and how can we create these products in a kitchen and not in a science lab but then now we're at the point where we need to scale up to an actual manufacturing facility how are we changing our process and that's a big learning curve for me the business side of it was 
always something that I have a background in. So that's where I felt like I could bring the business to a certain level, but the actual, you know, details of the business and the operations of it was, um, was a big learning curve, but also really exciting. Like it's, it's such an interesting industry to learn about. And I'm, I'm very, very like feel blessed to be a part of it. Um, I was just kind of reading your bio here and it says that you were previously a real estate agent. How did you find making that career change from a real estate agent to an entrepreneur and a business owner? I took my real estate license when I was pregnant or when I had my third child because I was a bit bored at home. So I just took it while, you know, he'd be lying in bed with me and I just thought I would just take the course. So it's funny because well, that's always- smart. Yeah, so I just I do very small transactions just for friends and stuff like that. Um, but I'm actually a chartered professional accountant. So I've worked um, at Ernst & Young for my articling. And I've worked in a few departments there as well as um, consulted for um, many different companies and worked for some other public companies that are in different industries. But overall, you learn a lot of regulations and uh, business knowledge from all learning about many different companies in different industries. So I've had, as soon as I graduated from university, I opened my own learning center for education. So I'm yes. always entrepreneurial. So I have two, I had two education centers that I actually sold while I was doing my articling. And then I reopened them in 2016. So I still have one uh, learning center now. So you were very busy <laughs> from the sounds of it. So not only running your businesses, you have a family and then obviously wanting to enjoy the finer things in life and having a, a social life, hopefully as well. So it still seems like that was a big transition though, because you're going from the education side of things and working, um, working with students and teachers, I'm assuming, right? Like both would be integrated into, into yeah. your program, right? Yeah. I, I did so, that until I started at Ernst & Young. So then after that, I worked in big com- with big company, public mm-hmm. companies. So did you find that that transition was hard to do? Or did you find like your natural abilities to be a leader and to be an entrepreneur kind of shined through and it, you didn't really feel that? Like, was it more so excitement? Because I know you mentioned that briefly. Was it excitement or were you still nervous or did you kind of feel the jump? I find all the transitions have been great. I don't think I've been nervous at all for any of them, but it is different having your own small business as well as, you know, working for a company and having a small business are totally different. I mean, you have all the risk of having your own small business. So you're working as hard as you can because, you know, you, you don't want it to fail. You need it to work. Whereas if you're working for a company, it's different. Um, but now as like, head of the founder of this company, I am working even double time because I want to make sure it does work because you know, I have to make sure that the shareholders, um, I have to make sure that I'm, you know, supporting all the staff that we have right now and the consumers that we have. So there's a lot more, it's just a bigger picture, but I think with either of those positions, you're still working as much as you can to try to be successful. And I think the hard work and the effort is really what will help you succeed in the end. I honestly listening to this, I'm just like, oh my goodness. I was like that. It's just aspirational to think of how much you're able to accomplish and the success that you're able to have. And I think it, it shows that you can be such a role model to those uh, who are just starting out and looking to aspire to someone and see, okay, like, are my goals even that attainable? Can I do this? And then when they see someone like yourself, they're like, oh no, I think I can do it. Like I, I I can see that uh, Tara was successful and I really can follow, um, 
with her confidence and hopefully succeed on my own. So one of the things off that would be, do you have any advice for those young entrepreneurs just starting out? Well, I really believe you should be, you should follow your passion because I think that if you are doing something that you really love, it's actually not like work. It's not something that you feel you dread to go. You wake up and you're excited to be doing something because you're part of your own dream. So I feel that if, if it's somebody, you know, you're like, should I do something that I really love doing or should I actually just, you know, stay at the position where I'm kind of okay and you're kind of content with, I would definitely a hundred percent say go out and try to do something that you're really passionate about. It's very hard work in the beginning, but I think it essentially always pays off and it doesn't matter what area it's in because every area niche has it has like a market because if you're the best in any area that you do do, you'll be successful. I definitely agree with you there. And I think that was a really positive statement to kind of round out this episode. Um, is there any final thoughts you'd like to give to our viewers? Our listeners, Vicky? Our listeners, our listeners. <laughs> and a lot of, um, a lot of thoughts uh, on the episode. Yeah, I just think it's um, it's great. I think people don't get enough credit to small business owners, entrepreneurs, people that do put their life into into their own work. And I think it is um, commendable. And sometimes it doesn't always work out and everyone fails. But I think it really does make you stronger because you learn from all the mistakes that you have. And it sounds kind of a bit cliche, actually, when I say it. But then it is true. You do learn from um, mistakes and you don't do them again you definitely don't make those mistakes twice. So I think it's something that is um, important for people to, to experience on their own. There's only so much you can theoretically tell somebody until they actually do the, their own experience. I feel like in a lot of things we hear that we're just like, yeah, you know what? We could articulate it this way, but once you do it, I feel like that's when you'll really, really yeah. understand. So uh, thank you for coming on our podcast today and sharing your passion for the modern meat. Um, I think a lot of individuals who are listening to this will really be able to take some great takeaways from what you, uh, what you were talking about today. So thanks for coming on. Okay. And thank you both for having me on today. 